Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Amen. Yes, our God is holy. It's so good singing with you all today. You can have a seat. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, good morning. Good morning. I'm usually not out there during the music, but man, I just love um, how you all sing. Just our community just sings praises to God. It's so beautiful. And um, I'm just so happy to be here uh, this morning to share the word of God with you. But I'm grateful for this team. I'm so grateful for this team and their leadership and worship today. Um, thank you, team. Every week that we get together, we respond, right, to God's love for us. And we do that through singing songs. So if this is your first time, this is normal for us, okay? We, we tell God how much we love him. And, uh, and we remind ourselves of his proper place in our lives. That's what that last song says. He's holy. He's set apart. There's nobody equal to him. He rises above. And so that's what we're doing today as we gather in community and worship, asking God to, to help us to have an experience with him that changes our lives, that transforms the way that we live as we learn through his word and as we worship him together. So thank you for gathering today. So happy to be here with all of you to get to share. My name is Socrates. If we haven't met yet, I'm usually singing. And today I get the privilege, the nervous privilege of speaking. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm super happy. I'm super happy to be here before you today. Um, so as, uh, that, let's listen to scripture together, family. We're just going to dive right into the word of, of God, into scripture, and um, I'm going to see the, the, the passage for today's Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 on the screen, and I'll read that aloud as we, as we engage in God's word together today. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy... Out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. Today's message Man, that's a word that just preaches on itself. But today's message is called Saved for Good. We're saved for good. Let's turn to God in prayer before we continue today.
God, we thank you for the words of Scripture that reveal who you are and who we are in Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would just speak to our hearts and our minds through your Holy Spirit as we receive your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So you heard a little bit from Carmen earlier talking about our, our jerseys. You might be wondering why I'm wearing this angel shirt, right? And if you, if you heard her, you might already know because for, for one, I'm wearing this jersey uh, because it's, it's joined the team day, right? I was thinking about, about that. But for one, it's, it's got the name of our favorite Dominican baseball player, on it, our family's favorite Dominican baseball player, Albert Pujols. You see a picture up there of Albert Pujols with my dad and I, and, uh, and, and yeah, my dad said I was putting him on the spot by showing him on the screen today. He's currently translating this message um, in Spanish, actually has a team of translators back there, Sabrina and Socrates, my dad, and just shout out to them. But he's one of our favorite Dominican baseball players, a Christ follower, and, um, and we were out in California together where he did a men's event. My dad flew out that one day um, to go and see Albert speak. It was really cool. But as, as we're in the Join the Team initiative, I had to pick something to wear, right? We're, we're inviting people to join in the work that God's doing. And as I thought of this message and I thought of this shirt, I also remembered a TV show. I'm going to put someone else on the spot. A TV show that uh, my mom used to love watching. She's sitting over here right now. And uh, she loved watching that when I was growing up. And it's called Touched by an Angel. Touched by an Angel. All right, by a show of hands, has anyone in the room ever watched or heard of this show? Okay, wow. Way more than I expected. Way more than I expected. Well, um, I have to admit, it wasn't totally for my generation, you know? It wasn't like super my, like, like style. But I remember, I remember being captivated by one particular part of it. And if you've seen this show, then you know the part I'm talking about. Because at some point in every episode of this show, Roma Downey, who plays um, an angel, the angel that you see, or the, the middle um, character that you see up there. She plays an angel that would say these words of good news to someone who is struggling. And if you know them, you can say them with me. She'd say, God loves you very much. Would you say that with me? God loves you very much. Yeah. And I want to echo those words to you today and add what we find here in Ephesians 2, that God loves you very much and he has a good plan for your life. God loves you and has a plan for your life. And God's plan is called the gospel, the gospel. This is the good news that the kingdom of God has begun in Jesus Christ and that salvation is now available through him. Because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we now have hope of salvation. And that's what we get to talk about today. I'm so glad we get to talk about good news today. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 answers three questions that I want to consider today. And those questions are these. Saved from what? Saved from what? Why do we need salvation, right? Saved by what? How are we saved? And the third question is saved for what? Why are we saved? For what purpose? Those are the three major questions I think that this passage can answer for us today as we look through the word. So are you ready to dive in together today? All right. All right. The first answer uh, that Paul gives to the first question is, save, save from what? Why do we need salvation? And there are three things that Paul says in this passage that we needed to be saved from, that we are saved from in Jesus Christ. The first thing is spiritual death. We were saved from spiritual death. Ephesians 2 says, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
you were dead. Spiritual death. That's what Jesus saves us from. One Bible commentator reminded me of this image. Um, and, you know, I didn't think of this on my own, so, so pardon me. But he says, saying once that we were once the walking dead. Okay? The walking dead. Have you guys ever heard of that term or seen that TV show, The Walking Dead? Um, I didn't get very far. I saw two episodes and then just like out of 177, I couldn't handle it. And don't worry, I won't put up a picture of this. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. I'm done with the pictures, all right? <laughs> but if you don't know, which is probably a good thing, if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, The, the Walking Dead, they're, they're dead and decaying people, fictional zombies. Even though they still walk around, they're dead. And they terrorize the living. They don't contribute anything to the world. And yet, unlike the movies where there's no hope for reviving a zombie, a fictional zombie, there is hope for those of us who were, who were spiritually dead or who might find ourselves spiritually dead today. And the point is that Paul says we needed salvation because we were spiritually dead. Another thing that we needed saving from was captivity to anti-God influence. Captivity to anti-God influence. We were captive to sinful and anti-God influences found in the world, in our spiritual enemy, who's the devil, and in our own flesh, a distorted version of ourselves. And it says in Ephesians 2, we were following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else, right? And so these, these captive, these influences that we were captive to, he mentioned three influences. They were the worldly systems that twist God's created order. He mentioned the devil who uses lies to try to discredit God. Do you remember from the very beginning, the devil used this, this deception to influence the first human beings, Adam and Eve. And he twisted God's words, saying things like, you will not surely die but you will be wise when you disobey God. The devil is our adversary and Jesus saves us from captivity to his influence. And the third thing that he mentions is our flesh, right? The worldly systems, the devil, and our flesh. And this is not the body per se, nor is it simply just the desires that God created people with. It's, it's our fallen nature. The flesh is our fallen nature passed down to us through the disobedience of our ancient ancestors. And it wants to control the body and mind so that we disobey God. That's the flesh that we needed saving from. Finally, we're also saved from separation from God. Hallelujah. We were once separated and he brings us close. In verse 6, we see that God seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we're in Christ Jesus, he brings us back into relationship with God in the heavenly places. And this is extremely significant because our status as those who are spiritually dead, right, and who are captive to anti-God influences leads to the separation from God. We can't be in good relationship with him. He's our creator and our source of life. And Colossians 1.21 kind of affirms this. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. See, sin creates a barrier between us and God. Isaiah 59 even says that sins cut us off from God. We all have a need to be saved from being separated from God. And so if we need to be saved from 
these things, right? From spiritual death and captivity to anti-God influences, from separation from God, then how, how can we be saved? And this is, this is our, our second question that we're going to answer today. Saved by what? We know what we need to be saved from. How? How can we be saved? Saved by what? And Paul gives the answer in verse 8 here when he says, For by grace, would you say by grace with me? By grace, you have been saved through faith. Say, through faith. All right? Let's try it again. By grace, by grace, through faith, through faith. That's right. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. We can't boast in the salvation that we've been given because it's fully assured by the grace of God received through faith. This grace and mercy, it's an expression of a God in the Bible who the the, the Bible says is love. He is love. He's the epitome of love. And out of his love, grace and mercy flow through him. And because of our fallen nature, we we deserve to be, remain separated from God in spiritual death. But the mercy and grace that God offers us is, is a gift that we don't deserve. It's a spiritual resurrection through Jesus Christ. And we can't do a single thing, this passage says, right, to earn our salvation or to meet the high standards of God's holiness on our own. And I want you to notice how verse 8 highlights that we don't do the saving. It says this is not your own doing, right? It is a gift of God. Because our salvation depends fully on the grace of God, we are saved, what? For good. Saved for good. Eternally. We're secured by the grace of God now and forever. And nothing we do can separate us from his grace once we've received it in Jesus Christ. Through faith. Faith is how we respond to God's grace and receive it. So saved by grace. By grace. Through faith. Through faith. That's how we receive it. That's right. Y'all are getting good at this. Here we go. And in John 5, 24, it says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. Faith is trusting in the grace of God through Jesus and letting go of your life so that he can give you this spiritual resurrection. And it leads to this desire to a commitment to turn towards him, to turn towards him. And in no way does this detract from God as the sole cause and means of salvation, right? God causes the salvation all by himself, but the work is done fully outside ourselves in Jesus' death and resurrection. But God gives us the agency as free-willed human beings through faith to respond by receiving the finished work that Jesus gives us life. We are saved by what? We are saved by grace through faith. Yeah, you got it. Now, as, as if we haven't heard enough good news already, and if this is the first time that you're hearing this good news, um, and the Lord bless you, I invite you to receive it as you hear it. But if you've heard this before, sometimes we just need a reminder of the good things that God has done in our lives and continues to do. And, and if, but as if we haven't heard enough good news already, Let me tell you that this is where it really gets good because we're going to answer the third question and that's saved for what? Saved for what? Why has God saved us? What is the purpose? Why are we saved? And at this point, I I want to remind you what I said earlier, what Roma Downey likes to say, God loves you, right? God loves you and he has a plan for your life. 
He has a plan for your life. One of the things that we are saved for is a new status, a new status. In response to all that we needed saving from, all the stuff that I talked about earlier, Jesus took action on our behalf. And now we have a new status and identify differently now when we trust in Jesus Christ. Theologians like to call uh, this the gift of justification. They like to talk about it that way. It's a fancy word. Justification. God justifies us by declaring the guilt of our sin pardoned, canceled, and removed. Justification. Our new status in Jesus responds to those conditions that we previously heard about, right? Where while we were spiritually dead, now our new status, we are made spiritually alive. When we were separated, and now we are brought close to God. Colossians 1.22 says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. We are justified by Jesus Christ. God, our creator, he's always wanted to have this relationship with you, right? He loves you. And throughout scripture, we see that God began this rescue mission with the people of Israel through whom he promised that he would bring a savior. And through Jesus Christ, we are no longer separated from God, but we are brought near to him and can know that we will be united with him forever for good. So not only do we get to be in his presence, but now we also get to belong to the family of God. Isn't it good to know that we are part of a family, that we're not in this alone, but that we're surrounded by people to your right and to your left and all over the world, I might add, that are part of the family of God. 1 John 3, 1 says something about our new status. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. Salvation received through faith in Jesus grants us a new status. Would you say that with me? A new status guaranteed by his grace, both now and forever. We are saved for good. The second gift we receive when we are saved is a new direction, a new direction. Because of our new status, God gives us the Holy Spirit that begins to work in us and enables us to turn from our previous ways of thinking and living. I know many of you may have experienced this where God takes over and just allows you to help turn towards his ways of living and helps you through his Holy Spirit. This is called repentance. Repentance is a word that just means turning away from our sinful ways and turning towards God's ways. And it's, a, it's like a 180, a 180. I also, by the way, I like to do this whole like left and right thing. And sometimes it's a good side, sometimes it's a bad side. I don't know wh- um, wh- which one, why I pick which. But th- in this case, we turn from our previous ways, 180 in God's direction. We have already been given this new status, and this is how we're enabled to follow in this new direction. Theologian Karl Barth, he calls sanctification, the fancy word for this, sanctification, following the direction of Jesus, the one who calls us at this point not to enter the kingdom of God, but to realize that in him we are already inside. We're already inside. When we have a new status, we've entered the kingdom of God. Now we have a new direction to realize who we are in Jesus and walk in that direction. 
Galatians 5, 16 says these words about the 180. It says, live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. He's saying, don't go back to your old ways. Don't be captive to the desires of your fallen nature. Live as one who has a new status, a new status. The next part of this, he says in verse 22, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and desires, right? That which we were captive to before has died to us. And we live by the Spirit. Let us also be guided by the Spirit. You see, God's Spirit forms our character and righteousness in ways that we were incapable of living out on our own prior to Jesus Christ. His Spirit helps us experience deep peace and joy when it doesn't make sense in our circumstances. How many of you have experienced that? Deep peace and joy when it doesn't make sense. He moves in us to extend kindness and generosity to those who we would have ignored once or, or worse. He stirs something in our hearts towards the fruit of the Spirit. Because salvation received through faith in Jesus gives us a new direction, a new direction, powered by the Holy Spirit, which works in the life of every believer. Every believer. Now this, this third gift that we receive this third thing that we're saved for, I'm so passionate about this, because it's, it, we're saved for a new mission. We're saved for a new purpose. God has given us some work to do, right? And right there in Ephesians 2.10, it's the verse that kind of all of this started from for me this week as I was thinking through. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. And we say this almost every other week when we describe who we are as a church, right? We say, and I think maybe even Carmen said it today, Horizon West is a diverse community of good friends together doing good works and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And did you catch that? We believe that God has given us good works to do in order to fulfill a particular mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus told us to do in Mark 16, verse 15, where he said, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. And throughout his ministry, Jesus, he made clear that the good news had to do with the kingdom of God. And so he, he says in Matthew, he says, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. The good news of the kingdom of God. Now, good news, I'm sure you've heard of, of, of this word, the gospel. We talked about it earlier. The gospel is the good news. It's the announcement of the kingdom of God, which has already begun in the resurrection of Jesus, our Savior and King. Did you know that? Do you know that this, this future and coming kingdom of God initiated in Jesus Christ's resurrection when he conquered sin and death? 
And this challenges the idea that the point of Christianity is simply that Jesus offers this new route for people to go to heaven when they die. And just that. Our eternal destination is very important, yes. But there's much more to it than that. Because here's the whole story of the good news. It's that in Jesus, salvation means that we are rescued and given life in the kingdom, a new status, right? And in Jesus, salvation means that we are free to live a life shaped and guided by the Holy Spirit, a new direction. And in Jesus, salvation means that we are invited to work at bringing God's kingdom of justice and reconciliation here on earth as it is in heaven until he returns to complete it. We've been given a new mission. You are on a mission from God. You are on a mission from God. Did you know that you are on a mission from God, with God, working with him? You're on a mission to witness to the good news that God is making all things new, whole, reconciled in relationship to him and to one another, alive again. The Bible calls it shalom, whole and reconciled. The coming of his kingdom has already begun in Jesus Christ. It continues in each one of us when we receive him. And it will be completely fulfilled on the day of Christ's return that the Bible describes as the coming of a new heaven and a new earth with no more death or mourning, pain or injustice, hunger or thirst. That's our hope. Not only do we know that God loves you and has a plan for your life, we know that God loves the world that he created, right? John three sixteen. God loves the world and he has a plan for the whole world. Ephesians 2.10 says that God prepared us for good works. And we also know that those works are in service of this mission, to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. And this is, this is where we get real here, not just in word, but in deed as well. Procla proclamation of the gospel and demonstration of the gospel. James echoes Paul's emphasis in James chapter 2 when he reminds us that authentic salvation produces good works. Authentic salvation produces good works. And this says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Surely that faith cannot save, can it? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, blessings and thoughts and prayers, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And what this is saying is that this is the work for which God has called us to, and it's not optional for believers. This calling, this vocation, is for every believer to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And sadly, we're often tempted to separate the two, the person of Jesus and the reality of the coming of the kingdom of God, as if we can have one without the other. But that's what Jesus himself said. He came to proclaim uh, a theologian that I love, Ecuadorian theologian named René Padilla, he described our mission as Misión Integral, Spanish for integral or whole mission, Misión Integral. He says this quote, he says, the proclamation of the gospel and the demonstration of the gospel that gives itself in service form an indissoluble whole. You can't take them apart. One without the other is an incomplete gospel. 
From this perspective, it is foolish to ask about the relative importance of evangelism and social responsibility. This would be the equivalent of asking the relative importance of the right wing and the left wing of a plane, right? That's a great picture. You can't have one without the other when you're talking about proclaiming the whole gospel. Jesus came to proclaim the gospel and demonstrate it on earth. And he says this in Luke 4, verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed. I'm here to tell you today that if it's not, if it's not good news for the poor, if it's not liberation for the oppressed, then it's not the whole good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus applied this to his disciples when he said in Matthew that if you do good to those in need, it's as though you're doing it to, to Jesus himself. He said, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And after they're confused, he says these words. He says, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine in those situations, you did it to me. When we, compelled by the love of Christ and the mission of God, do works to undo systems of this world that increase poverty, that ignore oppression, that shut out the stranger and paint people who seek refuge and safety as less than human. When we subvert those systems through acts of mercy and hospitality, when we feed the poor, when we facilitate healing for the sick, when we welcome the immigrant, when we sit compassionately with the, the woman who's pregnant and desperate and help to meet her needs, when we speak out for the unborn children who can't speak for themselves, when we stand in solidarity with those who are marginalized in a nation that declares liberty and justice for all, yet continues to operate with real statistical disparities in education, imprisonment, poverty, along racial lines. When we do these kind of good works and stand in solidarity in those ways, because we want to see the kingdom of God exist on earth as it is in heaven, we are partnering in fulfilling the mission of God pointing to the day when he's going to make all things new. We're realizing and living into that for which we have been created and saved. That's what we're saved to do. And in February, it's, it's the first Sunday of, of Black History Month. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that many courageous black believers took this mission of the kingdom of God seriously. Christians like Ida B. Wells and Fannie Lou Hamer, Martin Luther King Jr., John Perkins, Harriet Tubman, Mary McLeod Bethune, they took Jesus' words to heart and their faith in him fueled their works of justice. It was rooted in faith in Jesus Christ, even when it came at a high cost. Like them, we must seek to fulfill this critical purpose for which we were saved. We got to do it, y'all, to partner with God to fulfill his mission on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why we, the church, Let's bring it here, where we are in Horizon West. That's why we, the church, are committed to family advocacy ministry, serving families who care for foster children, 
That's why we, the church, are invested in a translation ministry right now and speaking in Portuguese and in Spanish because we know that Jesus broke the dividing wall of hostility between cultures and languages. He tore it down. So whether your family has been here for generations or you just got here, you can be spiritually fed by the word of God and know there's a place for you here. That's why we do it. That's why the church cares deeply about generations that will outlive us and why so many team members and volunteers share the love and truth of Jesus with our kids and students who are over there right now on Sundays and on Wednesdays. That's why we, the church, have people who arrive here at 6 a.m. Can I get an amen from my 6 a.m.ers? <laughs> 6 a.m. on Sundays to set up signage and video equipment and convert classrooms all to prepare a space for people to connect with God and community and to discover how to live their lives transformed by the presence and truth of God. You see, the church is a change agent for the proclamation, the word, and demonstration, the deed, of the good news of the kingdom of God that is present now in us and will be fulfilled to completion on the day of Christ's return. You know what else the church is? It's you. It's you. You are the church. That's why we're making this invitation over the last week and this week to join the team, to not sit on the sidelines and observe others doing the good works that God created for them to do. He also created them for us. Join the team and step into that for which God has created and saved you. We are saved. For good. As we turn to prayer and reflection today, I want to invite you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me because I don't want anyone, any one of us, to leave today without considering what this word means for us, myself included. The Bible says to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So, what will we do with the word today? When the next song begins, uh, you, I just want to let you know that you're welcome to take any posture that you'd like as you reflect with God today. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can stretch out your hands to God. But take this next song to reflect on the word that God's giving you today. And while the team sings this powerful song, I want to ask you to consider one of the following actions as we reflect together today. If your heart has been compelled by the love of Jesus for the first time, I spoke to you earlier, and you don't want to be walking around dead anymore, spiritually dead, separated from God, captive to sin, the Bible says that you are saved by grace through faith. So put your faith in Jesus today. Simply tell him right here, right now, that you believe in him, that you want to follow him with your life. That's all the faith it takes to receive his grace. And if you are someone else who's already placed your faith in Jesus, but you haven't been living under the direction of God, and today you want to decide that it's not enough to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to live as someone who is already in it, living in pursuit of holiness, a life set apart for God in accordance with his direction. Make that commitment today. We're saved for that new direction. 
And finally, if, if maybe you've trusted in Jesus and you're living in accordance to his direction, you're, you know, working at it through the Holy Spirit guiding you, but maybe you've lost sight of your purpose or never clearly identified that mission. But today, you've seen the mission God has for your life to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel, the good news of God's kingdom. And you desire for God to help you to see the good works that he wants you to fulfill. And for the courage to do them if you already know them. Don't wait anymore. Don't wait anymore. Let's make a decision today as the team leads us in this next song. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.